With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He's a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, what's going on? You ready to start previewing some teams here? Yeah, we've you know ramped this podcast up over the last month or so. Uh, got out of our you know off-season hibernation. We've been talking about the previews for quite some time. It's about time we get into them finally. So here we go, Joey. The marathon begins. Yeah. Yeah, the marathon begins. We got the first team preview tonight, and we've got a special guest here to talk about it. Personally, I can't think of anywhere that I would rather start talking about ACC football this year than none other than the Boston College Eagles. And we bring him in. Uh, you know him, you love him, Mr. Dan Rubin of I always forget the name of their website. Dan, it's GoldenEagle.com. Uh, BCEagles.com. Literally, if you just Google Boston College Athletics, it goes to the athletic department website, and that's me. I'm on there. Everything that's under Eagles Unlimited. BCEagles.com, Eagles Unlimited, Mr. Dan Rubin, the, the resident Boston College football exert, expert. And, uh, Dan, we're, we're happy to have you on to start talking about Boston College here in 2017. Uh, coming off of a, a sneaky 7-win 2016 campaign, but uh, uh, you know, it wasn't always pretty during those games. Can you give me a reason that we need to be excited about Boston College football in 2017? Well, the yeah, I can I can give you a few reasons. Um, number one being the, the bowl game and the fact that they they did get back to the bowl game, they won their way into the bowl game. Um, Quick Lane Bowl wound up being a very sneaky good bowl game too. Thirty six thirty, BC defeating Maryland in a classic two thousand eight ACC matchup. Um, but it it wound up being a, a pretty exciting game. BC played very very well in the first half. Uh, showed some looks that maybe some people weren't used to out of them. Um, saw Maryland storm back, make adjustments in the second half. It went down to the wire. Uh, the, t- the type of game that you don't necessarily see from the bowl games, especially when you're thinking I'm going to be, you know, in a cold weather climate in the middle of December in Detroit. Um, but it wound up being a, a very good bowl game. And, and that really keyed off the excitement of the, of the off season. Uh, the program has been very noted uh, this off season for how the, they've used it. They've called it a springboard, the extra practices, working on different formations, working on different looks with the guys who are going to be coming back and getting ready for the bowl game. Worked into spring practice, worked into fall practice. Uh, the team is, is carrying a chip on its shoulder. They're, they're ready to go. And, and all, you don't have to look much further than the ACC media kickoff, the ACC kickoff down there in Charlotte, when they stood up there and said, you know, we're ready. We've got playmakers. This is a team that we think is, is ready to go. And, you know, we, we use the term, I use the term that the time is now. Um, not necessarily that the time is now for them to make a move and for them to, to be a, a championship caliber team. I don't necessarily mean it like, well, the time is now or everything, you know, they, or all their work over the last five years is for naught. But the time is now for them to, to start taking that step forward, that they seem ready for it. And, you know, I think, the, I think there's a lot of potential in there to surprise a lot of people 
with some playmakers that maybe nobody's heard of before this year started. Well, let's talk about some playmakers that we have heard of. Defensive side of the football, obviously, has been the calling card for Boston College, right? you got Harold Landry, preseason All-ACC, dude's a beast, one of the top defensive linemen in the entire country, let alone, you know, we can forget just the ACC in the entire country, one of the best interior defensive linemen. How much longer is this defense going to keep bailing out this offense, Dan? Because we've seen the offense kind of go up and down and fluctuate quite a bit. The defense has been the one constant for Boston College under Steve Adazio since he's gotten there. How much longer is this defense going to continue to bail the offense out? Is it going to continue to be this good? Is there an end of the line at some point? Because this defense has far exceeded the offense in both talent and playmaking over the last few seasons. I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, as far as your thoughts on that. Well, I'm hoping that it's not a, a bailout situation this year. I hope that it's a, uh, I hope that it's synergy. That's the term that I've been that I've been using a lot of. I hope that it's a, uh, hope that the offense does get does get better. Obviously, uh, that they that they take step fo- steps forward statistically um, and are able to be a little bit more consistent than they were last year. And, and obviously, the year before that is what it is. Um, but I think defensively, this unit has been elite. You look at some of the numbers over the last two years. And it stands out. And, and I think that they do come into this year with something to prove at the same time. So let's dial back. Two years ago or three, you know, 2015, that defense might be the best defense ever assembled, uh, you know, in modern college football, given what happened with the offense. The fact that the offense struggled as much as it did over the course of the entire season, injury, lack of progression, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, and the defense still finished one of the top three in the nation. That is will go down as one of the best uh, defenses in the history of college football, or at least it should. Uh, Last year, you know, they gave up a couple of big plays, and I think when they were caught on the field too long in certain games, see the Virginia Tech game or the Louisville game, they had numbers that were run up on them. Um, But at the same time, they're a defense that was very strong and could do it again this year. I think this front seven is going to be one of the best front sevens in the ACC, and it goes beyond Harold Landry. Uh, Landry, obviously... Everyone's going to know his name. He's the one superstar type player on the Eagles. Uh, but when you look at the rest of this team, the Ray Smiths of the team, the uh, the Connor Strahans, the Ty Schwabs, those last two being linebackers, this is a front seven that's hungry. They're aggressive. They know how to get into the backfield. They know how to disrupt different plays by taking up different guys in formations. And they're doing that with a secondary that's old and experienced. They're bringing back a secondary that has a lot of experience back there Guys like Cam Moore, guys like Isaac Yaidum. These are guys who are a little underrated because they're system type players. They're, they're going to, you know, you're going to have to get after the quarterback in order to disrupt his coverage. If you give the quarterback too much time, you're going to get burned downfield. If you don't stop the run, it's going to cause guys to, you know, safeties to cheat up and they're going to take their shots with the passing game. So I think there's a lot of potential to be good again, but a lot of it's also going to rely on the offense taking that step forward, which if they do, then you're looking at the all three phases type game. And I know I kind of ramble on about it, but it really is a situation where if all three phases, the offense takes a step forward, you're going to see a defense that is and will continue to be the bread and butter. I, I think uh, Steve Adazio said it at the, at the ACC kickoff. He said, the, you win championships with a great defense. There is no team that wins a championship that does not have a great defense. So same old, same old from Jim Reed and the Boston College defense then. But uh, speaking of the offense, Dan, real simple question here. Boston College is one of eight teams in the conference right now that's got to answer this question, maybe nine. 
Who's playing quarterback for this team? I think you're going to see Darius Wade, and and Darius, it's Darius Wade's job to start camp. I know that uh, last year when we talked, I was like, well, they brought in Patrick Tolles, and you know Wade's been the guy who was, who was before he got hurt. All signs are pointing to Darius Wade right now. He was the starter coming out of the spring game. Um, he is, you know, heading into camp as the number one guy. And I think I can, you know, objectively and definitively say, I think he's going to get first call unless, you know, he gets, God forbid, gets hurt or at the same time gets pushed really hard by Anthony Brown. Uh, Anthony Brown is a redshirt freshman, uh, very raw talent. I think given Wade's experience factor in the system and in, in, in working with Adazio, he knows what to expect. Um, I'm not going to say experience on the field because he doesn't have it. He only started three games, two of which were against an FCS team. And the third one, he broke his ankle and was out for the rest of the season two years ago. So I'm not going to say experience on the field. He doesn't have it, but he knows what's expected of him in the locker room. He knows what's expected of him in practice. And if he can push the position with his talents and his understanding that he can bring along Anthony Brown and Anthony Brown is good enough that he's going to create a competition. He's not going to create a controversy, uh, but he's going to create a competition and he's going to push Darius Wade so that Wade doesn't just sit back, throw five passes and say, yeah, I feel great. Wade's going to have to continue to earn that job and continue to work at that job because Brown is behind him and is such a, such a raw talent. And, you know, continuing with the offense, so the quarterback position could be fluid, might be weighed most of the season, kind of remains to be seen, right? And I think a lot of the offensive production kind of hinges on John Hillman, and the discussion with him obviously starts with 2014. Obviously a different style of offense, but he was really productive, 860 yards, 13 touchdowns, well over four yards of carry as a true freshman. Gets hurt in 2015, earns that medical red shirt, 2016 comes back, didn't look like the same guy and I'm not really sure if it was the style of play if he just wasn't as healthy as he was when he was a true freshman 542 yards six touchdowns a fine season but dipped to under three yards per carry what are the expectations for John Hilleman heading into the season well I think a lot of it might actually hinge on the offensive line Um, I think when you go back a couple of years ago to when Hilleman was you know a a freshman and, and showed signs of being the next beast running back um, that BC has, I think you, you saw that the offensive line was really talented that year, and, and you could drive a Mack truck through some of those holes. Reset, you know, with 2015, the offensive line was really young, had its problems. Um, guys were undersized. They've needed to get bigger. They've needed to get stronger. They've done that over the last couple of years. So Hilleman has always had the talent, but I think the offensive line has needed to progress, and I think they have progressed. Plus, the, the passing game has needed to progress, too, in order to open things up for a guy like Hilleman. So I think you're, you're going to see a lot of what John Hilleman can do it, it, you know, with the offensive line, as long as the passing game's there, and as long as he also gets assistance from the other running backs. So a guy like Hilleman will actually be one of a couple of different running backs in camp that are expected to have different you know, skill sets for different formations. Guys like Davon Jones, who had a, a halfback toss and pass option pass for a, a touchdown at Tommy Sweeney last year. And, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a, a very versatile type guy. He's got speed. I think he'll factor very nicely with Hilleman. I think if all of that comes into play, you'll see Hilleman's natural skill take back over. Um, but, you know, again, it's a matter of, you know, if you, you could be the best runner. You could be Barry Sanders, and if there's no hole in front of you, you're getting tackled by nine guys. 
especially if they're stacking the box, you know, against your, your double tight end set. Speaking of no holster run through and getting tackled a lot, I'm trying to go with these transitions and I just don't know how it's going, but we're going to get there. Uh, speaking of no holster run through and lots of tackles, uh, Harold Landry led the conference in sacks last year. Uh, he's preseason all ACC, well-deserved. Uh, 16 and a half sacks in 2016, Dan. I think fair to say that he's about the most feared pass rusher in the ACC right now and with good reason. Is he as good as 2016? Better? Are you going over under 16 and a half? Talk some uh, sweet, sweet Harold Landry to me. Um, he, he fright- when I watch him on the defensive line, he's left nightmares in my sleep, and I'm not even a quarterback. I you sound really quarter- uncomfortable right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of, uh, well, I could talk sweet. I could talk sweet about Harold Landry all day long. <laughs> I think 16 and a half sacks is, uh, he's the type of guy that I think you're going to get a lot of that out of him, and I think you're going to get, Similar numbers. I don't know if 16 and a half is, is going to happen because I think he'll draw a lot of double teams and, you know, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll still get some of his numbers. But I think it, teams are going to have to focus directly on him and uh, hope that the rest of the defensive line doesn't murder the quarterback. So you look at Harold Landry, obviously really good last year. Defense we've talked about, really, really solid. And, you know, the offense has kind of been this, you know, up and down kind of trajectory over the last few years. So state of the program – Dan this is kind of a question as far as from a fan base perspective obviously you being a BC fan now working for the school you got a good pulse on you know what the fans are feeling I mean they've been winning six games seven games a year and it's been a program that's kind of been up and down what is the state of the program at this point in time I mean you get blown out in losses you scrape together wins you put together an impressive bowl game that kind of surprises everybody what is the state of the program? How do fans feel about Steve Adazio? How do they feel about Scott Leffler? Uh, what's the overall pulse of the program at this point in time? You know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. It, it really is. Um, I think you'll be able to find people who will look at the losses last year. And I think I mentioned this a couple of times last year, too, where you'll find people who can look at the losses. And if they want to see that you were blown out against Florida State, you were blown out against Louisville, you were blown out against Virginia Tech, they'll have, you know, ammunition. And they'll say, well, you know, Steve Adazio didn't, didn't, didn't even compete against those teams last year. And the year before that, the team was, the team was bad. I mean, the team, there's, it's not going to cut it if they, if they ever regress to whatever that was, a, a, whatever you want to call that was a couple years ago. It was just a bad season. Um, but I think it, when you look at X's and O's and you look at the health of the program and you look at the recruiting trail, all of that, they've gotten better at the recruiting trail. They've brought in their guys and they've developed them. They knew as a coaching staff that they were going to hit that lull a couple of years ago and they really had to weather a storm. The storm wound up being a little bit worse than I think they bargained for with, uh, with injuries and the like. So, you know, it, it wound up being a tough season and you take it head on. But when you look at the way the trajectory of the program has been, that they, you know, cobbled together two seven-win seasons, went to a couple bowl games, you know, had to regress the way that they did with the three and nine season, came out last year, competed with teams, won some games, they won a couple of league games, uh, that Wake Forest win coming down to the wire, winning a bowl game. I mean, yes, it, it might have been the Quick Lane Bowl, and it wasn't the Orange Bowl, which I know people always want to be a uh, be a top team contender. I want I want them to be a top team contender. Um, I want them to go out and beat the Florida States and the Clemsons. But when they came out last year and beat Maryland, Maryland was a program and a team that was in very similar situation or a very similar 
genetic makeup to where Boston College was last year, and you went out and beat them. So I think you're trajecting be- or you're projecting back up, and you're and you're on the way back up. So where's that leave them for this year? I think in a very good spot. I think that the health of the program, um, as long as you don't let the the taste of two years ago still kind of, you know, be bitter and, and be bitterized by it. I think the health of this program is getting better. Uh, the terminology and the way that they talk, you know, you're not talking about, well, we need to limit teams' possessions and we need to control the clock and run, you know, limited amount of plays so we can control time of possession. You're hearing them say things like, you know, we want to work in tempo. What does that mean? Well, does it mean we're going to go fast? I don't think we're ever going to be Syracuse fast, but I think we're going to be, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more rhythm, a little bit more pep in the offense. Uh, run a few more plays, run a few more spreads, uh, different formations, stuff like that. They're getting better. I mean, they are su- substantially better than they were a couple years ago. These are the players who were brought in. Recruiting has gotten better. Recruiting has gotten strong with guys like A.J. Dillon, uh, who's a running back, a very talented running back, who could make an immediate impact as a run- as a in the backfield if they didn't have you know so many guys there already. I don't know how much he's going to play this year. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, you've got enough running backs back there to – to be what you need. Um, so the defense being strong, I think health-wise of this program, attendance is going to be up a little bit more this year. Ticket sales are up this year already a little bit more. Um, I think this team is heading in the right direction. Are they a, a top team in the ACC? Well, no. I mean, Clemson and Florida State have national championships. I'm, I mean, if I sat here and I looked at you guys and I said, oh, yeah, we're going to win the Atlantic Division this year at Boston College, you both would probably hang up the call on me and then go and say, what the heck is he talking about? But am I, am I right to look at you and say, I think this team could make some noise. I think they could shock a few people. And if, and if they do shock a few people, those people probably shouldn't be shocked because they should have seen this coming with the way the program has been growing. I think that would be a fair assessment. So I want to talk about shocking people here in just a second. But from what I'm hearing from you, Dan, basically it, it, assuming that we're not going to have another 2-10, and 3-9 and nine type of season here, we're talking about Steve Adazio's seat realistically is not hot in any way, shape, or form. Like, he's not in danger of losing his job whatsoever. I mean, I don't – I wouldn't think so. I mean, they're, they're not, with, not with the way things have looked. Now, if they go, you know, 1-11 this year, I mean, I, I don't think that would be acceptable for anybody's standards, Steve Adazio's included. Um, but I, you know, look at this team, and, and I can't project the guy's hot seat, but coming into the season, I don't – I mean, he's done a good job of building this program. I don't. I cannot see a reason why anybody would, you know, say that, seeing the way that things have gone. I mean, you talk about shocking people, and I, I was shocked to look back and realize that Steve Adazio has spent four seasons at Boston College. He's won seven games in three of them. I did not realize that, and and been to bowl games in all of those. You know, he had the Quick Lane Bowl win this past year. Um, I think there's been a lot more success in this program under Adazio than a lot of people realize. I think the 2015 team that went 3-9 and got a lot of attention because of just how good their defense was. But realistically, I mean, they've been a mildly successful program in what is a very difficult division, and so he deserves a certain amount of credit for that. Uh, but you talk about shocking people, you know, like what that could mean. Let's look at the schedule here and talk about kind of what might happen. Um, so out-of-conference games, on the road at Illinois – Home against Notre Dame. Uh, they got the, the rotation this year. Home against Notre Dame. Uh, we said home against Central Michigan and home against UConn, uh, except that's in a neutral site, I guess. So 
with that kind of a, a, an out of conference schedule, I mean, what kind of record are we talking about if if we're going to shock people? Well, for starters, the UConn game is technically a road game, but the uh, the the fine gents down in stores actually moved that game to Fenway Park, um, which is similar to the Shamrock Series game a couple of years ago, where BC played a road game in Boston. Um, but at least, if nothing else, with that game, it um, it's technically, I mean you can call it almost like a seventh or eighth home game uh, because you're playing, you know, at least in your own backyard. And I'll tell you what, if you've never been to a football game at Fenway Park, my dad used to go in the sixties when the, the Boston Patriots played there. It is interesting because that stadium was barely built for baseball. Right? It, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, but the, uh, so you got UConn, you know, you, UConn, they, they beat them 30 to nothing last year. It's a, it's a regional rivalry. I, you know, you, that's a game that, like the UMass games of a couple years ago, you, you want for parochialism in your region to go out, schedule teams like that, and then, and then just, you know, do what you have to do in those games. And, you know, UConn's going to bring it because that's their Super Bowl. I mean, that is, uh, that's, that's their non-league Super Bowl playing a team like Boston College. So you know they're going to bring it, and you have to be able to respond to that. Record-wise, do I look at game? I've never been one to look at wins and losses. I, I really haven't. Um, I know that's kind of taking a cheap way out of things. Um, but if you look at some of the teams, as long as you're competing, and I think that's the, uh, that's the key thing. You, if you, if, look, it, would you rather go, you know, 7-5 and five versus 4-8 and eight any day of the week? But would you, if they went 7, they went 6-6 six and six last year and got blown out in a bunch of games. And if they had gone 5-6 and six or 5-7 and seven or, you know, and been, you know, lost two of those games by three points, a combined six points, people might have probably been happier with the record than they, than they sometimes let on in the six and six. Um, so I don't necessarily look at the wins and losses. I look at how competitive are you in that game. And when I say shock, do you need to go out and knock off Florida State when they're, you know, number one in the nation? Well, it'd be nice. Um, I mean, it'd be great. They did it to USC a couple of years ago. It'd be great to get back and do that. But if you're not losing 49 nothing, if you're losing those games, you know, 28-17 on a late, on a late score that, you know, went against you, and as long as you're competing hard and you're, you're given everything that you got and it shows up on the scoreboard, people are going to respect the, the score at the end of the day. And I think that's what I mean by shocking people. That's what I mean by, you know, even if they don't win those games, and I expect them to win some of those games, maybe not this year, maybe next year. I hope they do it this year. I think they can do it this year, but I think this team is talented enough to have you look at the scoreboard when you're sitting in Atlanta or you're sitting in in Blacksburg and say, you know, BC's putting up a fight in that one. Well, lucky for you, Dan, you have us around to make predictions. So that's what we're going to do. So Joey and I I are going to look down the schedule right now and we're going to kind of give a rough gauge now, Joey and I haven't haven't done our you know preseason prediction podcast. That'll come in a few weeks, right before the season kicks off. So, consider this our unofficial prediction on records for BC. Joey and Dan, I'm looking down at this schedule. So, Northern Illinois on the road. If you're BC and you're trying to go to a bowl game, you got to win that game. You got to win that game in the opener on the road. Um, I look a little bit further down the schedule. I see Central Michigan. That seems like another win for me. So that's two wins. A little bit further down the schedule, October 21st, you're on the road at UVA. You need to win that football game. That's three wins. And then it might come down to Connecticut and Syracuse at the end of the season back-to-back. Dan, you just mentioned the UConn game. 
um, at Fenway Park. That's going to be a big one. they got to win that. And then on the road at Syracuse, not an easy game to win, but it could come down to the final game of the year like a year ago when BC had to win that game to make a bowl game. Really interesting scenario there. So I named five games that they could possibly win, and there's a sixth on that schedule. It's the second game of the year at home against Wake Forest. I think this season for Boston College to make a bowl game could hinge on that second game of the year against Wake Forest. If BC gets off to an 0-2 start, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to make a bowl game. So my unofficial prediction at this point, Joey, don't hold me to it because we still got another month before we do that this whole dance with all the teams in the ACC and talk about record predictions and our official picks. I'm going to say BC goes 6 and 6 and makes another bowl game. I can't believe Ooh. I'm I'm hinging I, I'm going against my Wake Forest Steam and Deacons, which I know you don't like that I do, but you know, <laughs> all the Wake Forest fans hate me anyway. So, I got them at 6 and 6, Dan, and making a bowl hey. game. I can't believe hey. I'm saying that right now. It might change and- in a month, no promises. And you know what? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw in here. I'll say this. For all that I've said, you know, about playmakers and breaking out and shocking a few people, um, I also think that this is a season where, uh, you know, being competitive and winning some of those games is is paramount. And I think, uh, you know, I'm not, like I said, I don't put win totals on it because I don't like being held to numbers um, in general. It's my, it's my Weasley way out of these things. Um, but I think you look at some of these games and it is totally reasonable to – look at them and say, you know, I think they should win the, win games X, Y, and Z because if they're taking a step further and they're getting better than they were last year, that's that's a perfectly reasonable thing to, to try and expect. Can I go total cop-out answer here, Mike? Of course. Five and seven with a bowl game. Thanks to the APR. That is such a cop-out. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you got five and seven. So what's the one game I just mentioned? So I, I mentioned a couple non-conference games that I think BC will be very competitive in. And then a couple conference games that could come down to the wire. Which game do you see them losing and potentially being at five and seven on the fringe of not making a bowl game or making it on APR? So games that I'm taking off the table entirely right now, Notre Dame, Clemson, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Florida State. I think any of us would be shocked if they won one of those games. So that's five losses right there. So basically you got to go five and two down the stretch to get to uh, five and seven, or even better than that to do more wins. Um, I'm with you. I mean, the winnable games on the schedule, Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, Central Michigan, Virginia, and then maybe some combination of NC State, UConn, Syracuse. I... I don't think they're going to beat NC State. I don't think they're going to beat Syracuse. I think there's some chance that they that they beat Wake Forest. You know, they maybe they lose a game that I'm thinking they should win, and they steal one somewhere else. But I don't know that Boston College can run the run the gauntlet of those teams and and just reel off wins in every single one. I'm gonna go five and seven, but I think that gets them a bowl game. It's, a, it's such a cheap answer. It's not sorry. bad, Dan. It's not bad. Five and seven, six and six. Be more competitive in losses. Hey, and and if they and I'll tell you what, there is one game that I, that you guys didn't mention, but I'll throw in there as the wild card for you, and that's September sixteenth against the uh, Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Mike, I know you'll be watching that one with bated breath. <laughs> yes, over there, I will. I will. It is it is the Super Bowl every time Notre Dame comes up for Boston College, and they that is a game that. It's going to be, I believe, nationally televised. It's a 12 o'clock game, which is different. Normally, it's a, it's a 7 o'clock game. You get it under the lights, so you get it earlier in the day, the Holy War. It's a game that 
is an X factor in so many different ways. Go back a couple of years ago, 2015, BC hung with Notre Dame in that game for almost the entire game and probably could have won that game at several different points. So I think, uh, you know, the, you, once you put Notre Dame on the schedule, it's a, it's a whole other thing. And I'm going to keep mentioning the Super Bowl because I would not get out of this podcast, Mr. Weaver, without mentioning to my good friend Mike McDaniel that I have uh, that we do have the Atlanta Falcons fan Joey Weaver and the New England Patriots fans Mike McDaniel and Dan Rubin. He's outnumbered, buddy. What can we say? I'm just I'm just gonna leave. <laughs> I'm out. He's taking that. And he's done with the podcast. Sorry, Joey. I needed to do it at least once. Dan, where can I find you? <laughs> On oh, now I'm gonna say that after I threw this one in there, you, you might come up up here. Uh, no. Um, at BC, By the way, Falcons yeah. fans, Falcons fans, pay very close attention to his Twitter <laughs> handle here. It's at BC Dan Rubin um, on uh, Twitter. That's at BC Dan Rubin, all one word. Uh, check out. Uh, it's at the Athletics website. If you go under the team section, check out Eagles Unlimited. There's a whole bunch of great articles there. A whole bunch of good posts. If you're ever on the website and you see something that says U N T L D U N L T D, almost alphabet's hard for me. I, I didn't, I didn't go to Boston College. What can I say? Um, I, <laughs> um, Unlimited, uh, Eagles Unlimited is the team. Those are the articles that are on there. Um, th- anything that's under there, great stuff. Great stuff other than just football, too. There's a lot of, I always say there's a lot of great student athletes. I've, I've been very honored to be able to share some of their stories and some of the things that are out there because these are kids at all the schools that work so hard on, on both ends, is in the classroom, in, on the field, and I've been really lucky that I've been able to uh, to share some of those stories, so be sure to check that out. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Best of luck to our beloved Boston College Eagles this fall. Uh, we'll look to have you back on sometime this fall to give us an update. Sure hope so. Thanks, guys. Go find him at DanRubin12 uh, or bceagles.com, uh, Eagles Unlimited. That's Mr. Dan Rubin. Uh, Mike, we got we got to get out of here. we got more stuff to do, more recordings to do, more teams to preview. Uh, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You could send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. You nailed it. Thanks. Um, yeah, as we've said before, you know, send us your questions. We want to include these in these shows as we go through these previews. Um, and if you send us a decent question, you know, maybe we start the next podcast with it. So hit us up. Uh, Mike, there's somewhere else they can find us too on the social medias. Yeah, we're on Facebook, and I'm going to try really hard not to screw this up because I've done that so often here with our new Facebook page, facebook.com slash basketballconference. I'm still waiting for reviews up there because we see you guys listening to the podcast, so we know you hear this and you're just too lazy to go up and review. It's cool. I understand. I'm on a computer all day too at work, and I don't feel like reviewing stuff either. Please review our podcast. We're working real hard here. Uh, bringing you all the fresh content that we can around the ACC. Guys like Dan Rubin, bringing him on. Review us, review him, review our the rest of the guests that we'll have on for the rest of our season previews, and let us know how we're doing. It'll really help us out. Five stars are preferable, but please be brutally honest. Even you, Dan. <laughs> all right, Mike, you want to do this again soon? Yeah, absolutely, buddy. All right, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Dan Rubin, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC. Go ACC.